Welcome to the Better Birth Podcast. My name's Erin and I'm a hypnobirthing and antenatal instructor, birth activist and all-round birth geek. In this podcast, I chat to experts in the field of pregnancy and birth, debunking myths around birth, diving into the research around maternity care and exploring what is it that means you're more likely to have a positive birthing experience. If you enjoy this podcast, do feel free to buy me a coffee and fund my caffeine habit. Link to my buy me a coffee page is in the podcast info. Enjoy this episode. Good morning. Welcome everybody to the Better Birth podcast. I am being joined today by Betty from the Birth Partner Academy and we're going to be talking about the importance of birth partners. Hi Betty. Hi. How are you? Yeah, good thanks. Morning. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me on. Hi. Um yeah, I'm excited. Looking forward to talking about birth partners. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so we're talking about the importance of birth partners today. Um, and they are really, really important to me. Yeah, really definitely. Important. And I think, I think possibly sometimes birth partners don't realise how important they are and how key their role is in the birth room. Um, I think particularly if they're quite unprepared un- for birth, they can feel like a bit of a spare part, can't they? Mm. Um, but they are really, really important. So what kind of you think makes a birth partner really, really important why why are they yeah so yeah picking up on what you just said there I mean I, I think it's I think you're so right that that um often partners don't realize the role they're about to play and the value they're about to bring to the birth experience and I think um unfortunately a lot of partners go into birth feeling like they're probably underqualified and they probably don't really know what they're doing. Um, and almost that self-doubt prevents them from taking any steps to improve or um, to qualify themselves, to prepare themselves, because they just feel a sense of it's too big. And that's, you know, that's the fault of how birth is portrayed in the media. It is portrayed to be... Um, not, and not just the media, but also through hearsay and um, just our general attitude uh, about birth makes it sound like this epic, horrendous experience that only the most medically qualified of us could possibly um, contribute to or, or manage. And that's even true of the person giving birth, let's be honest. They they even themselves are left feeling like they probably don't know what they're doing and they probably don't know how and they probably need loads of technical and um, professional uh, assistance. Mm. So, of course, the birth partner is going to feel that as well, you know, if it's even affecting those who are who are pregnant. Um, and it's kind of, yeah, I, it's kind of like birth's best-kept secret that... Um, that your partner, your loving partner, your romantic partner, uh, is like almost all you need to have a, an incredible, easy, positive, be- uh, beautiful birth experience. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and they really don't need uh, to have read every single pregnancy book out there and to have um, done a degree mm -hmm. in maternity care. They really don't. And if anything, their relationship with you, their knowledge of you and their love for you is the ultimate qualification in supporting someone um, through their birth experience. So it's not just a case of, hey, you know, it's really important that you, that you tag along and that you show your support. I guess what I'm all about is totally reframing the birth support role and giving it the, you know, the momentous recognition that it, that it deserves, that actually you're not just pretty great, you are key. You are, um, in, my, in my personal list of importance, you are top of uh you know who 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 i like to see attending a birth you are number one you're the winner yeah yeah, yeah. so i hope that's kind of somewhat <laughs> answered that question because we know as as natal and hitler is that one of the key things for birth is oxygen. we need oxygen for labor to start and for labor to progress and who better to help encourage release than something you are comfortable with, something you are familiar with, something you love, um, whether that's your mother or your partner or your best friend, somebody that you feel genuinely comfortable and relaxed and safe with is going to help with that oxytocin release far better than a midwife who you've probably never ever met in your life um, or a doctor who you don't know. Um, exactly. That person, that, that person close to you is far better equipped to, to support you in labour um, and help with that, with that emotional support and, that, and, and ultimately that kind of release, that physical response and the release of hormones, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, it, it, there's the, I can't, I can't quite remember exactly what it is, but, you know, there's that sort of phrase, that saying that goes around, like what, what got the baby in gets the baby out type thing. Mm -hmm. And it's cheesy and obviously it only, only applies to um, heterosexual couples who've, who've um, conceived their baby through sex. Mm -hmm. But the sentiment is definitely true that uh, the, the environment that you imagine making a baby in, I suppose, is, um, is, is the environment that, that, helps to birth baby and yeah that that that's the point here is that if if your birth partner is your romantic partner they've got all of that they can bring so much of that that atmosphere mm. um yeah. and like you say that brings the oxytocin that drives the birth the more you have the easier it's going to be the, the more efficient it's going to be the safer it's going to be i mean that's the that's the key point really is that it's not just about having a good time you know, it's not just about um, feeling nice. It's, it is about safety. It is about um, safety of, of both the, the baby and the person giving birth. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, making sure that the environment is supporting that and the people around are supporting that, definitely. Yeah. So you mentioned environment. And I think the emotional support that a birth partner provides is really important and that's really key. But there is loads of other things that a birth partner can be doing to help support and facilitate birth. And I think environment is a really, really important one. Yeah. I think the birth partner can have a role to play in setting that environment up, 
and protecting that, that birth space. So what kind of things could a birth partner be doing environmentally, for example? To, to yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. And this is, um, this is often something I try and teach, which is that the birth partner really is the one that needs to know quite a lot of um, detail about this kind of thing. And when it comes to prep for birth, uh, it, it's possible that the person who's going to be giving birth doesn't really need to do anything and can be allowed to just completely disappear into their mammalian birthing brain mm -hmm. like like all animals would right we're not gonna we, we don't send cats to the nct classes we don't you know we don't go into elephants and try and teach them about about physiology yeah um and we can somewhat approach birth the same as humans whereas the birth partner um doesn't need to to disappear into that uh, instinctive part of their brain they can stay quite switched on they can stay in their in their human brain um, you know with, where the logic happens and where the um, assessments happen and so uh, knowing the, the the tick list of of what to how to make the environment supportive for birth and staying aware of that throughout the birth experience is uh, like the, the perfect job for a birth partner and so that's understanding what is going to make them feel what is going to make the birthing partner feel um safe and relaxed and uh secure um be that things that um evoke a kind of familiarity in them and a sense of romance in them so this could be songs from your wedding playlist or it could be photos from holidays you've done you've had together um it could be smells from candles or from um, aromatherapy sprays whatever you can do to subtly send messages into their into their senses into their um subconscious that they are safe and that they are loved and that they are relaxed and sorry and that should be easy for someone who is the birth partner because it should come naturally to you because you already know this person and this is why we say that you are best equipped to support that person's birth the midwife doesn't know what um what music they're into the midwife doesn't know that they hate the smell of lavender but they love the smell of rose um, the midwife doesn't know that they don't like gentle stroking on the back, but they really like firm um, massage. This is stuff that you will get to know over the years of knowing them. You know, be it that, and this is true whether you are the romantic partner or, of course, the mum or the best friend or the sister. These things come from knowing someone. And so you can create that environment and just, and, and using your neocortex, using that switched on part of your brain just looking around all the time, checking the room, checking the space throughout that labor, throughout the birth experience, making sure that it doesn't disintegrate, which can happen. You can set, you know, first contractions come and you're like, right, light the candles, dim the lights, put the playlist on, um, you know, run the bath, whatever, whatever it is that you're, that you're setting up for the birth. And it can take time and hours pass and maybe the playlist's ended, the candle's gone out, Maybe the midwife arrived or you've gone to the hospital and the midwife's come into the room and turned the light on to have a look and no one's thought to turn it back off again. And bit by bit over the hours, the environment 
disintegrates. And so that's a key role for the birth partner is to be on it, constantly checking. And what we're checking for is that adrenaline is not going to be peaked, um, that nothing is sending signals of, uh, yeah, nothing is sending signals to, to their instinctive body that they're not safe or that they need to be on high alert. And we know that adrenaline does have a natural role to play through labor and it will peak naturally later on as things really ramp up. And so when it does peak its head up, when it does have that look around, you want to be on it, making sure that it's got nothing to see. You know, you're reassuring it. Adrenaline just pops its head around the door and says, I'm just checking everything's safe before I release this tiny, fragile baby into the world. Any tigers I should be aware of? Any you know, any floods coming, I should be aware of. And you're there going, look, all safe. Look, look at my environment. It's all safe. Don't worry about it. So that's the, that's the, um, the birth partner role there for, for, for environment. Knowing what, what works for your partner, setting it all up for them and maintaining it, making sure that throughout the whole experience, be that five hours, be that five days that you are on it. Yeah. 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 And it's, I think it's, is as important um, at home as it is in hospital. But obviously hospital, we know, is not the optimal environment for oxytocin release. I think if you are having a hospital birth, I think your birth partner ideally really, really needs to work harder to create that oxytocin-friendly environment because, frankly, it's the polar opposite of the environment that you want, really ideally want to be giving birth in. Yeah. Um, and I think... Part of that role also is the ability to advocate, I think, on behalf of, of the person giving birth um, and not being afraid to, you know, switch the lights off or draw blinds, not being afraid to stick things up on the wall. Absolutely. Not, not being afraid to tell people to the room, um, which doesn't come naturally to a lot of us. Yeah. Um, and knowing that you can do that. You know, yeah. knowing that you can stick things up and that you can rearrange the room, you can push the bed to one side of the room, that you can rearrange things, you know, what you want. Yeah, getting getting your royalty attitude right when you walk into hospital is hard, especially for those who are generally um, quieter people or non-confrontational people, Um and it, again, it's something I, that, that I discuss in my, in my courses, and that is understanding the hierarchy of birth and that you really, as the birth partner, are top dog when it comes to making these decisions of how to support and how to, um, how to deal with or, or interact with, rather, the person giving birth um, and not allowing the uniform and the job title and possibly the, even the snooty attitude of the members of staff in the hospital to make you feel any less than that. Yeah. And that goes back to what we were saying right at the beginning this morning, which is you are qualified. You are. It doesn't matter that you've never been at a birth before. It doesn't matter that you don't necessarily know all the words and understand um, like the, the, the medical side of it, what all the medicines are called and all the interventions are called, doesn't matter because you are the expert on them. And like we said, that's, <laughs> they do try and keep it a secret, but genuinely showing your partner love and romance and um, 
safety and warmth and, and attention in that way is the best way of helping birth. It isn't the injections and the medications and the pain relief drugs. It isn't um, getting them up so we can shine a torch in, at them and have a good old look in there. That's not going to make things happen faster. And so understanding that if you step into that hospital environment, that you are still the major player right at the top of that hierarchy um, yeah that's really important and obviously that comes easily in a home birth environment because it's your environment so you don't need to ask where the loo is or whether or not you can put the kettle on or um you know can i get an extra towel or can i you know how do i dim the lights all of that is known to you because it's your home environment so yes it does take extra work to be able to walk into a hospital environment and still walk around like you own the place a little bit and and not allow that the the members of staff to become to to creep their way up that hierarchy ladder because it's their environment and they know where the light switch is and they know where the kettle is and they know where the bathroom is mm. it's tricky but it's doable it's doable with a bit of with as long as you are aware that that's going to be one of the challenges and and you're aware of why it's important that that challenge is overcome um it's very doable mm. Because, you know, it, as much as we, we want to be respectful, of course, at all times, it really doesn't matter if the midwife thinks you're a bit annoying. No, you know? it doesn't. And I, I point this out all the time with, when, I, when I teach my, my clients and we talk about, you know, speaking up and we talk about advocacy. Yes, okay, you might offend somebody. Are they going to remember it tomorrow? Probably not. Are you going to remember it for the rest of your life? Absolutely. So it's far more important that you speak up and you advocate and you make sure that you are comfortable and happy with the decisions that are being made um, and what's happening at the time um, than worrying about somebody else's feelings. Yeah. Um, one thing that you mentioned just now was um, that it's, you know, home is easier because it's your own space. And absolutely, I entirely agree with this. Um, but I would say from, from personal experience that things can still slip in a home birth. Um, so my, my last birth was a, a home birth um, and I'd done my hypnobirthing. I had you know, done the course, I'd read the books, I was fully prepared. My husband hadn't, um, which I think is quite, quite common. And it's not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna blame him or say it's his fault. It's not, it's just the way it was. Um, but when my home birth midwives turned up, they were lovely, really lovely. One of them was chatty, like majorly chatty. And it wasn't even about anything to do with the birth. You know, she was talking about how she loved my house and she was she spotted I had a Buddha and she was like, oh my God, your Buddha's so lovely. And I've been to Asia and I've Asian food. And we were just like, and she's just chatting to me like general banter. And me being me didn't think anything of it and was just chatting back my entire labor stalled, completely stopped. And if my husband had been more clued up and aware, um, he possibly would have proactively gone, oh, you need to be left alone. Or he could put a sign on the door to set expectations before they even stepped in the house, which we didn't do. Um, it took my doula kind of removing me from the situation and taking me upstairs away from the midwives to try and get things picking back up nothing would start back up again and she said send us home and I was like oh my god really 
I don't want to send you home. She's like, no, send us home. Nothing's going to happen while we're here. So I had to kick the midwives out, sent her home. And it took a good few hours for things to pick back up again. That whole, that whole situation could have been prevented and my labor probably could have been shortened by a vast amount if my husband potentially had been more clued up on how to protect that birth environment. So I think it's important. Exactly. It's home, home, it still can, that environment can still get chipped away quite quickly. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's, you know, like what I was saying before about this part of the brain that you have switched on. I point like this. I have absolutely no idea where the parts of the brain are. I always point as though this is the bit that does birth and this is the bit that does thinking. Um, but this idea that you're, the person giving birth needs to really slip into their instinct mm. um, and behave like an animal would. And chatting about food and holidays and home decor is not instinctive. And you wouldn't try and do that with an animal. Is Another thing I always say to my clients is, if you wouldn't expect it of an animal, don't expect it of your birthing partner in that moment. Unless there's an emergency, unless something really needs to be discussed because there's a change of course or you know, a new thing being suggested, in which case, obviously, that's discussion time. But if things are just um, ticking along nicely, then you can't be asking open-ended questions. You can't be bringing them into their front brain, into their thinking brain because uh, it's going to interrupt the instinctive flow of birth. Mm -hmm. And yeah, your partner, your husband in that story could have made all the difference, but it wouldn't have been by having to study something really complicated. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't, you know, it, it's not out of people's reach. It's so simple. And I love, I love teaching birth partners because when we get together and we do, you know, my, my course is only four hours, four and a half hours of content. It's not a huge investment, time investment for people. But watching that transformation for people signing up, knowing they're really keen to support mm. and they, they know it's really important that the birth be positive and go a certain way for their partner's benefit, you know. It's important to them, to their family. And then watching that transformation as they realise they can totally do it, mm -hmm. that they know exactly how to do it, that it's well within their remit, that it's, that it's achievable. It, it's just magical yeah. because it is things like, hey, don't talk too much. It's not complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And it can make such a difference. And, you know, the, the difference it makes isn't just that everyone has a nice time. Um, I mean, that is nice. And people who've had, uh, you know, physiological births, especially at home, um, uninterrupted, do, we do become evangelical about it. Mm -hmm. We do like to tell everyone just how fun it is and how much we'd love to do it again. But it isn't just about that. It is about protecting the mental health of both you and your partner. It's about that um, protecting that bonding time between you guys and the baby. You know, this stuff is important. It's not just aspirational. It's not just, hey, if you could make birth really fun, you might as well make it really fun and have a good time with it. This is about preventing um, those early days and weeks from being clouded by a, a negative or even traumatic birth experience. So it's really important it's really important and really achievable. I mean, how often do you get those two things? You know, usually the important stuff's really hard. 
um, or the easy stuff's really insignificant. This, this is both achievable and super important, super impactful, not just for your partner, but for you. Sorry, I'm now talking to birthing, birth partners. It's not just important for the person giving birth. Birth partners suffer from, from birth trauma as well. Birth partners suffer from PTSD or from postnatal depression, difficulty bonding with their baby. Because you are aware of the importance of your role, but if you don't know how to do it and you don't know how to make the difference and how to do it well, and then something does go off piece, something negative does happen, you carry that. Yeah. You carry that burden. And... Um, yeah, and it, and, it, and it can really impact those early early days, early weeks, years with, yeah. with your baby and with your partner, yeah. definitely. And it, it's not just the postpartum period. I mean, having a birth partner who understands just, the, like you said, the very simple things of how to set up and protect that birth environment and make sure that it is facilitating oxytocin may be the difference between a physiological, very simple, straightforward birth and a birth that ends up in a cascade of intervention because labor stalled, because the oxytocin wasn't, you know, it wasn't high, the birth environment wasn't, wasn't conducive to the progression of labor. And we end up, for example, augmenting labor, you know, breaking waters, giving synthetic oxytocin to, to augment labor and induce contractions, which we know can cascade to a further um, uh, level of intervention. Um, and that, I'm not saying that always is preventable because it's not, but you are giving yourself a far better chance of reducing the chances of that cascade happening if you know how to facilitate an oxytocin-friendly environment. And it is such a simple thing. Yeah, um, and yeah exactly. A, sm a small percentage of births will require specialist knowledge, mm -hmm. will require someone who knows all sorts of techniques about you know, rebozo work or um, positioning and t trying different positions through through um, through labour to help babies turn. Um, yeah, that it is useful to know that stuff. And you know what? If you're the kind of person who just loves absorbing uh, absorbing knowledge as a birth partner, go for it. Mm. Go do a spinning babies course. Learn some rebozo techniques. By all means. Mm. But that is a small percentage of births that require that level of, of knowledge. And a huge majority of them just, just need you to know how to keep the adrenaline out and how to keep the oxytocin in. It really is as simple as that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought somebody had a question, so I'm just going to scroll back. They said, um, in what ways would you suggest midwives and other staff can build a positive rapport and make people feel comfortable with you? without over-talking, interrupting their birth space, et cetera. Um, so, I mean, it doesn't have to be combative when, when you are in the birth room um, and you're being that birth partner advocating for somebody. Um, I don't think it has to be a, a confrontational um, experience. And ideally you want to avoid that because that's, that's not gonna help with the oxytocin in the birth room, although, in some circumstances, you do have to speak up and you do have to kind of get a bit shirty. Um, but I think this is all stuff that midwives know. They've been taught all of this stuff when they did this. Exactly. They know, they know that oxytocin needs to flow. They know the birth environment needs to be optimal. 
it's not something that's unknown to them um so they should be open to you switching lights off and doing what you need to do to set the room up um i mean having a birth plan i think as a starting point so you expectations before you even turn up is a really really good idea um and then making sure that they read that when when you do arrive you know birth partner have copies of the birth of the birth preferences um, and make sure that your midwives have got copies of that so they understand what it is that you're trying to achieve in that birth um i think is a really good starting point what, what do you think betty i've interpreted the question slightly differently um so I'm not sure in which way you meant the question, um, Finley Deleuze, but both points are going to be good to know. So, yeah, that's all about definitely about how to um, make sure you're maintaining that um, autonomy in the birth space without too much confrontation. I've interpreted the question as how can the midwife mm -hmm. build rapport with the family without chatting away about their trip to Asia and about how they love food and yeah. all of this? Um, and my answer to, if, if that's your question, um, my answer to that would be, we, we already build rapport um, and communicate without talking all day, every day. We are constantly reading and sending messages to one another as humans um, without saying anything. We convey flirtation, we convey anger, we can convey curiosity, um, all just with our facial expression, um, with our eye contact and with touch. So we can show love and support and presence, strong presence with just a hand on the shoulder. Yeah. That really says to someone, I'm here, I'm confident, um, I'm strong, you know, I have strength in me, like feel me here. Um, without, without you needing to say any of that. And the thing is, is when someone's in labor, they're not really there to get friendly. They're not trying to get to know the midwife and what type of holidays and food they like. So it's also a very unique relationship that you're building in that moment that doesn't require the same small talk and get to know you chat as say a new work colleague or when you start dating someone or whatever, you know, it's not the same, that, that rapport that we're talking about, it's not the kind of, so where did you go to school? Like, what do you do for work? We don't need that. What we just need is midwives to be walking in with that confident sense of capability um, and love um, without, without being too annoying about it. <laughs> And all of that can be done in silence. Yeah. And I think until consent is required for something or until uh, uh, any sign of a problem needs communicating, there really needs to be no chat. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I do think having an awareness of language in the rare moments where you do need to have that conversation, I think is really important because if we are limiting chat, um, we want to make sure that any rapport that we do have is is phrased in the right way. And I think that's really, really important because one or two sentences can, can convey a hell of a lot when it comes yeah. to the birth room. You know, I'm, I'm just going to versus um, would you mind if what mm -hmm. I recommend, do, do you give consent? I think that's really, really important. Exactly, yeah. 
or I or or you're only two centimeters mm-hmm. versus you've made it all the way to two centimeters already yeah. conveys two different you know one is oh I had better expectations of you and you've disappointed me mm-hmm. and the other says wow I'm really impressed with how your birth is going yeah and I, I know from from reading all of the feedback um for my 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 hospital um the, the all the positive feedback that we get um from in terms of the experiences that people have had with midwives is really feeling that support and that encouragement and that comes from sometimes non-verbal things like one woman said that like, she had a student midwife i think it's a student midwife um, who gave her an amazing foot rub when she was in lithotomy and it made her cry because it was so wonderful you know you're not having to say anything you are you are giving that that support and that comfort without having to build that rapport so I think a, a, a calm and supportive presence can be far more powerful than chatting about where you went on holiday yeah does anybody else have any questions while we're here was going to give anybody a quick chance to, to answer anything um you did mention um rebozo earlier betty um and you know i absolutely agree that it is extremely basic you know in terms of you know what you need to know and how to effectively support someone in labor because you knowing that person obviously and knowing them best is going to provide huge amounts of support I think there are there are other things that birth partners, if they want to go that extra mile or they want to feel more prepared, because some people, mm. you know, I'm a planner, <laughs> I'm a hands up planner. I like to know anything and everything. And there are other things that birth partners can do, isn't there, to kind of yeah. prepare for birth, like learning maybe, um, you know, techniques like counter pressure or rebozo or learning some different birth positions to suggest. Um, what other things do you think that a birth partner could potentially think about swatting up on if they wanted to be? Well, I mean, obviously, considering I've set up the Birth Partner Academy, um, I would say come and do a birth partner course. <laughs> uh, because it, it, it's, um, yeah, what, what I try and what I try and facilitate for, for birth partners is a dedicated space for them. Mm-hmm. So where they're not feeling like um, the, the tag along to a uh, other, you know, a, an antenatal uh, course of, of some other kind. Um, the reason I do that is, is not because I think it has any different content because obviously it doesn't, we're all saying the same stuff. I just think that sometimes birth partners can relax a bit more when they are not being overheard by their partner in case they do have some pretty basic questions or concerns or worries. So that's the one thing I've, I've tried to do is create this space where it's really like, obviously very safe space, no judgment, where birth partners can really um, open up about uh, maybe some basic stuff they haven't understood, like what's a cervix? You know, the, these questions in a room full of pregnant people can come across as a bit um, intimidating, like people might think you're not not prepared. Um, so, yeah, so 
So that's what, what I try and do with, with the Birth Partner Academy is, is have that dedicated space for birth partners to be vulnerable um, and to get excited and to be the centre of it all. Because, of course, that's the other thing. If, if you're, especially if you're the other parent and you're, you, you know, you're going through this transformational time as well. Um, it's nice to, to be centred, you know, for, for a change. Uh, so the hormones obviously learning all about the hormones is is really important and how each how uh, oxytocin behaves and is influenced and how adrenaline behaves and is influenced mm. um also how to behave yourself so the impact you're going to have on the space and understanding that um understanding the ways in which you are conveying safety and security versus the ways in which you might accidentally convey um panic and stress this is especially true for anyone who's in a relationship where the dynamic is that they tend to care for you mm -hmm. so that's definitely the dynamic in my relationship i'm the carer i do all the cooking i like looking after people and my husband and i have that kind of dynamic but i care for him in a practical sense, more than he cares for me in a practical sense. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really important to make sure that in labor, you are not becoming something that they have to care about and focus on and worry about. Um, but really it's true of any relationship, you know, any, because, because they will care about you, you know, you are their, their birth partner. So obviously they've chosen you because they love you. Um, so making sure you are aware of how not to become, um, something for them to have to think about and worry about and manage mm -hmm. so so I, I know this isn't quite your question because you're you're asking more about practical skills um but i do think that that these are the important bits yeah. um but also massage techniques so like i know you touched on saying about counter pressure mm -hmm. but other massage techniques that um help with that oxytocin flow mm -hmm. and relaxation yeah and that's something that you can develop really easily through pregnancy mm -hmm. because it's just about giving it a go yeah. and seeing what they like. Mm -hmm. uh, do they like really firm foot rubs? Do they like tingles, you know, strokey tingles on the head? That's a personal favorite for me. Um, so just learning that in pregnancy about what makes them feel tingly and, mm. um, and relaxed. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I also like to show people um, the, a, a video of how the baby moves through the pelvis because I think it's really useful to understand that the baby has movements to do as well mm -hmm. and that the pelvis has movements to do. And so seeing that visually can help you to understand why it is that you might be required to support your partner to find different positions. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a particular YouTube video um, showing, it's called the cardinal moves, the, the, the twists and turns the baby does. And it's just amazing because you get to see just like, wow, okay, if the baby's having to do all of that, then that makes sense to me now on the outside, why I might need to help my partner do this and that. And obviously massively why I must help them to stay off their back and in that upright position. So maybe seeing a bit more of that um to help on to to join the dots in your in your mind of what birth is all about and then maybe watching birth reading birth stories and watching 
watching um, physiological birth unfold because whether you've been into birth or not, I mean, obviously most birth partners probably haven't watched like endless episodes of One Born Every Minute, for example. Um, but you've seen birth portrayed. Yeah. We've all seen it in a film, in a sitcom, in a drama. And 99% of the time, it is conveying a completely unrealistic message. Yeah. So there's some work to do there on your subconscious, mm -hmm. which is undoing, unlearning all of that, uh, that, yeah, that you think you know about birth, yeah. albeit on a subconscious level that you're not really aware of day to day. Yeah. But you definitely are. Mm -hmm. um, you will probably think that waters break in the supermarket and then labour is intense within the next 10 minutes. You'll probably think that it involves a lot of high-pitched screaming and shouting and swearing, maybe some aggression towards you. Um, why have you done this to me? You know, like that stuff doesn't tend to come up in like physiological births. It's about unlearning all of that and getting a bit more familiar with what birth looks like when it just happens uninterrupted in a loving environment. Um, whether or not you're planning for this, this is always my advice is to search home birth in YouTube. Whether it, it's completely fine if you're if you definitely know you're doing labor ward or maternity unit, that's fine. But a good way to filter out some of the less helpful birth videos is to, to actively search for home birth, yeah. water birth, um, things like that, and just watch a few, see how you feel. Yeah, notice what comes up, and if what's coming up is a discomfort, um, then maybe there's there's something that needs to be done. Um, yeah, I think that's, those are probably my top, top tips. Yeah, they're great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, you, you make a good point about, um, media representation of birth because you're right. And I, I was recording a, um, a podcast episode of James, the midwife, which hasn't gone live yet. It's going live next week, I think. But he was saying about the, uh, the TV program, Yorkshire midwives on BBC. Mm. Um, which is a really good, realistic representation of home birth. But isn't it interesting that we have been conditioned so much to believe that birth is this dangerous, medicalized, traumatic, dramatic event that loads of uh, media outlets have said that it's a it's sugarcoating birth and that it's an unrealistic representation of birth um, and it's misleading and it's... It's not, I mean, it's very, very, um, it's very accurate. You know, it's not sugar-coated at all. That is what birth can and quite often is like. And should, should be. Yes, it should be like. <laughs> um, it's just that we have been, as a society, birthing partners and birthing people alike have been conditioned to think that birth is this really traumatic, dangerous, dramatic experience. So uh, you're right. I mean, everybody should be working on on those uh, misconceptions and preconceptions around what birth is like, because you, we, we all have to unlearn things that are heavily embedded in our subconscious. And I think as a birth partner, particularly in circumstances where, for example, your partner has decided they want a home birth and you're a bit unsure about it, for example, I think that's that's something for, for the birth partner to work on to educate themselves because really you need to be supportive of, of the birthing person's choices um, and 
and not transferring those fears and anxieties onto the person giving birth because they'll be there embedded in their subconscious already without you reinforcing them, I think. Yeah. And unfortunately, I guess what then happens is that it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. That with fear and um, behaving in a reactive way to that fear, we end up creating the environment. We end up creating the scenario that results in um, birth that requires a lot of intervention. Yeah. Uh, birth that requires a bit of rescuing um, and, and, and is stressful mm-hmm. for all involved. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the, the people, the media outlets that are, that are commenting on, on the Yorkshire Midwives on call show and saying it's unrealistic are probably survivors of their own birth trauma. Mm-hmm. They're probably... Um, journalists who have witnessed birth or have given birth and had it be for themselves uh chaos <laughs> um and that and that goes back to what we were saying before of like this stuff matters forever it matters for the rest of your life yeah. how this goes down how this birth experience goes down because when you um when you live with birth trauma and then you witness something like, like the Yorkshire Midwives on Call, where you when you hear other people talking about their joyful births, it hurts. It hurts on a deep level, um, and it's complicated, and it becomes sort of offensive. You know, um, to, to something to something in your system is offended by the fact that other people are having an easy time of it, are having a joyful time of it. So that's quite possibly why we've ended up in, in a world where you're not allowed to talk positively about your birth experience. Um, you know, it's not, it's not accepted chat uh, down the pub to just talk about how much you loved your birth. Mm. Um, obviously, unless you're in the pub with me, in which case you'll be getting the full lowdown within five minutes of meeting me. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I think about that anyway. I, I do think the, this, this attitude unfortunately does end up uh, creating the very problems that it's afraid of. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today, Betty. I really, really appreciate it. Um, You're very welcome. So everyone can find you on the Birth Partner Academy. Um, have you got a website? Yeah, birthpartneracademy.co.uk. The birthpartneracademy.co.uk. Um, and yeah, so I've mentioned a couple of times that I do courses. It's for birth partners only, so they attend on their own. It's um, across two sessions, and they're two hours each on a Sunday morning. Um, the next one's uh, late June, 19th and 26th. Um, it's good fun. It's really good fun. And it works um, in partnership with any other antenatal uh, preparation you might be doing. It's not, it doesn't replace it. It's supplementary mm-hmm. to um, whatever other studying you're doing. But otherwise, I do tend to share as much as I can on my Instagram that will be of use or amusement to birth partners. Um, yeah. Well, everyone needs to give you a follow because your, your Instagram is fantastic. <laughs> so they need to all give you a follow because you Thanks. have loads of really, really good information on there. Um, thank you. Likewise. For this. Um, thank you, Betty. I've been really... Thanks, Erin. 
and it's great to chat enjoy the rest of your week you too and i'll chat to you on whatsapp <laughs> yes yeah. bye right bye bye The Better Birth Podcast and all of its content is for educational and informational purposes only. You should consult your midwife or your doctor for anything in relation to your own pregnancy and birth. The opinions and the views of the guests on the Better Birth Podcast are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Better Birth or Erin Fung. Thank you.